pardon me, are you Aaron Burr, sir? That depends. Who's asking? Oh, sure. Sir, I'm Alexander Hamilton. I'm at your service, sir. I have been looking for you. I'm getting nervous. Sir, I heard your name at Princeton. I was seeking an accelerated course of study. When I got sort of out of sorts with a buddy of yours, I may have punched him. It's a blur. Sir, he handles the financials. You punched the burr, sir. Yes, I wanted to do what you did, graduate in two and join the revolution. He looked at me like I was stupid, I'm not stupid. So how'd you do it? How'd you graduate so fast? It was my parents' dying wish before they passed. You're an orphan. Of course, I'm an orphan. God, I wish there was a war, then we could prove that we're worth more than anyone bargained for. Can I buy you a drink? That would be nice. While we're talking, let me offer you some free advice. Talk less. What? Smile more. <laughs> Don't let them know what you're against or what you're for You can't be serious You wanna get ahead Yes Fools who run their mouths off wind up dead Ay uh, yo 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 what time is it Showtime Like I said Showtime showtime yo I'm John Lawrence Okay so that my thought is that um, um, while we could um, um, look at each likely or 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 or, or possibly possible um, best picture candidate at this stage but when you start examining them which is worth very little because obviously not having seen them but when you start examining them uh, everything really really seems weak <laughs> it just doesn't seem like much of a year again no. uh, I don't know I don't know if that's a general overall trend that we're um, starting to detect which is that as the studios have the big distributors have dropped more and more out of the quality movie game uh, I mean it used to be that they only got into it in Oscar season maybe they're going even less for it during Oscar season I don't know what's going happening but I just sense a weakness a general i don't feel the strength i don't feel the muscle i don't feel the the spirit as much mm, what yeah. i'm seeing and this is again silly of, of both of us to even you know flirt with this but they just don't seem um the ones that i'm looking at except for my current favorite which is manchester by the sea and some people are going to say that's too downish but um i just don't see uh, a lot of I just, I really don't see, and we've already talked about this, um, that um, that the birth of a nation is going to go all the way. It's going to be, be nominated, but it's not going to make it. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to say, except that it feels weak. Yeah. What do you, what do you, what's your sense of... Um, I, I do too. I feel like um, I'm really starting to see more and more, uh, and just maybe I'm getting old, I don't know, but it, it feels like, you know how um, sometimes there'll be a, a certain you know, two Siamese twins where one of them is taking all the resources and the other one is being sort of choked and not getting enough and not getting enough blood. And he, that's how I feel about the, um, the big industry and, and the Oscar industry. Like it feels Mm -hmm. like to me, everything is going into, you know, in some ways these studios are making more money than they could ever have imagined. They, They figured out the magic formula you know, the sequels work, the, the branding works, the pre-awareness uh-huh. works, the yeah. all the Marvel shit, the superhero stuff. They branded these kids from the time they were babies yeah. um, to grow up, to respond to brands. And it's worked. They've, they've cultivated and grown a g- generations of consumers who are responding to fast food that have the five, you know, fast food chains that they all uh-huh. buy. Starbucks, you know, everybody uses that because it's a brand. And 
I feel like that's what's happening to movies. I know that's old news because we've been talking about that a long time, but mm. it seems to be more successful than ever right now where a sequel can open and make shit ton of money. And it doesn't even really matter if it's good or not. Nobody cares. Like I saw that Captain America movie. It was bad. I mean, it was like, it was fine for what it was. It wasn't a bad movie, but it gave people exactly what they wanted. Just like fast food, Starbucks. It, it delivered exactly what they ordered. But at the same time, when we look at these movies that are made specifically for and only for the Oscar race and the adults that buy tickets to that, more and more senior citizens, you know, are being uh, relied upon to buy tickets to movies. And, and there is a small art house crowd that does, but there's no profit in it. So um, but you keep talking about practical matters. There's the merit of the spirit and the, the matter of what one aspires to in one's life. I mean, you know, you're dead after 80 or 90 years. You got to do yeah, something right. that amounts to more than just make money, which is why we have an, an Oscar season, why we have quality movies. You know, we want things that are going to touch us. It's not yeah. just about dollars and cents. I agree with you. I, but I feel like that part of the business is trying to hold on for dear life. And it's, it's thriving on television and VOD. It's thriving. It's effortless oh, yeah, that's there. For sure. You know, yeah. um, but I think as, as we've said, and it's, it has to be reset over and over again. There's a certain uh, payoff and a certain scheme to long form, which uh, we all respect uh, tremendously. I certainly have been totally into it ever since the Sopranos did the bird, big, big breakthrough yeah. about uh, 16, 17 years ago. But you, if if you can't deliver the same kind of um, punch the same kind of gravitas the same kind of spiritual uh you know uplift of whatever you're looking to do it's got to if it can't be done in short form within two hours or three hours and or a hundred minutes then there, that's an art form in and of itself and long form is not doing that but there's a very it's like you know kind of a poem in a way a movie has mm. to do, do the whole thing in the span of two hours and there's a beauty and a resonance in that form that uh you know, you just can't compare it to right. long form and cable. So. Absolutely true. And and I, I feel evolution and, and life and, and vigor um, on the stuff that's happening on TV. I feel like that's the wild, wild west right now for artists. It's like the kind of stuff you see is just amazing. You know, sometimes like a vinyl, it fails, but sometimes it's great. Like the OJ documentary is incredible. Um, the oh. And the OJ series, both. Yeah. Um, the They were both just beautifully done. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I feel like I watched uh, Spotlight the other night again, and God, mm -hmm. I, I love it. It's such a good movie. It's just you can't say anything bad about it. But at the same time, I feel like we're hindered by um, two things in Hollywood, and, and I'm a champion of both things. So I'm being a bit of a hypocrite, but I am. I do think that it it hurts the Oscar business a little bit, which is the preferential ballot and the. Um, Political correctness. Both of those things are putting demand, higher demands on the academy that have mm -hmm. to be fulfilled, where needs have to be fulfilled. And that sort of narrows the um, selection of films that are approved, you know, and that are okay and that are acceptable. And like the preferential ballot makes it impossible for a movie to come in at the end of the year, surge with popularity. But if it has detractors, if it's divisive at all, it can't win. And so you're always getting kind of a mediocre, it's not mediocre, it's a great movie, but you know what I mean, like a, a well-liked across-the-board movie as opposed to something that's great and challenging and, you know. And so those two things also, when you look, when I look at, you probably don't do this, but when I look at the Oscar slate, 
I think about the preferential ballot. I think about what's going to be great versus what's going to be that common denominator movie that everybody's going to like, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way as you do in looking over it. Like, I'm excited mm-hmm. about Scorsese's movie. That looks really good, you know? Or maybe not. Maybe it'll be maudlin and boring. <laughs> I don't know. But, I don't know if it's um, maudlin, but it, it's going to be quite grueling, is my understanding yeah. of the material. And uh, a couple of people I know who have read the script. Grueling as in the way The Revenant was grueling. It's not going to be any kind of a... Uh, it's not going to be Kundun. It's going to be something a bit rough. It has to do with um, persecution. Last Temptation of Christ, maybe, or... Yeah. Except that, except that had one of the greatest endings, one of the greatest uplifts I've ever yeah. experienced from a film. So yeah. I, I would I don't know that this... Maybe it does. Who knows? I shouldn't say anything. But I... Um, uh, you know, and that's, that's, that's the end of the year, right? Is that a December yeah. film? Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's a Suffering, you know, Scorsese movie, which will probably be great, you know, in its own way. Mm-hmm. But you think, okay, so that can't win because preferential ballot... But um, the so then I look at Sully, you know, Clint Eastwood's movie about with Tom Hanks. You know, you start going down that road of like, well, okay, what are the Oscar movies? Well, and and maybe there are some that we just haven't seen that are on the radar that that are going to pop in um, Telluride, like Live by Night. Is that a possibility? Live by Night. Yeah. The Affleck movie, Live by Night. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, uh, yeah, our movie, the one that we saw in, yeah. uh, being made in, in Savannah. <laughs> I was, so, I was yeah. like, did I dream that we had that conversation <laughs> with Ben Affleck, or do we really have that conversation? Yeah. Um, <laughs> on the way to the head, and he stops in, and we have a 13-second conversation. That I was, know. That was, yes, that was very real. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget that. But so what's... remember, lived up by night. Just looking at it seriously is a is a uh, um, you know a Dennis Lehane uh, novel, and it's um, you know it's a it's a it's a yarn, you know, and and Dennis Lehane does those yarns, and they're and they're complex and they're good, but it, you know, uh, I don't I don't know. It just seems like it's you know it's going to be well done, uh, a fascinating period, perhaps you know, who knows. But yeah. I don't think so. Not as the best picture thing. Well, it's like, um, you know, I, I was just thinking about, like, cinema doesn't seem to be uh, rapidly evolving in the same way that, like, uh, television and even Broadway with Hamilton is, you know, with, with this kind of exciting reinventing the form. I mean, it does. Movies do, but not necessarily the ones that end up in the Oscar race, where everything is so very traditional. More dramatic change than what has already happened. Uh, yeah, it means that films about the um, African-American experience will be um, more recognized and more uh, prominent. And that means that um, almost certainly um, the the, um, birth of a nation will be uh, praised for its narrative alone, just for the theme, just for what it's saying, for the for the myth that it's uh, creating. It's it's real, but it's also a, a, a magnificent myth. So it's going to be Best Picture nominated. I don't think there's any question about that and i say that as a person who's not that impressed by it but it's gonna probably uh so yeah that kind of thing will will occur i think that uh, that if you're in contention um uh, he just uh, tom hiddleston has pretty much announced that he would be delighted to play james bond i just don't i think you have to kind of be james bond in all aspects of your life you have to be <laughs> that uh, you have to suggest it and if and if you do this thing that he was spotted having done over the July Fourth weekend, which is wear a basketball uh, uh, t-shirt uh, tank top 
uh, while swimming with with, with Taylor uh, Swift in in uh, off the coast of Rhode Island, saying I I I heart T S. That's a really uh, not a James Bondian thing to do, and I just think that really messes with the whole vibe that he's putting out. Maybe he's been told he's not going to get it, so you know, create your own life, go with God. Maybe that's it. <laughs> but but if he was. You know, when you're in contention for something, you say, I want to be that thing, or I, I'd like to be the new embodiment of a, of, a, of a classic, you know, machismo figure. It's really strange to do something like that. And he knew, of course, they, he and Taylor Swift both know that that um, anything they do is going to be picked up and commented upon. So he was definitely sending out a, a and your right. th- thought, and please expand upon this, is that he was doing it ironically. He was doing it to kind of punk the press. He was going to just play with him I what do you how, how did you put yeah it again? I mean I think that the the drama the drama plays out you know the internet is so weird the hive mind of the internet the hive mind of the internet doesn't really like Taylor Swift and so they've been you know ma- they make fun of everything that she does and they don't really like her very much I, I saw one stupid headline by this writer this woman writer were like something like the problem with Taylor Swift's feminism is that it isn't feminist enough or something like that. I can't remember what it was, but it was like, they're just so judgmental of her. And I think that he, she knows that and he knows that, and he's making a joke about that saying, I'm going to proudly wear this t-shirt, you know, to, to hell with them, to hell Mm -hmm. with all the haters. You know, he's obviously got a major crush on the girl and he wants to show it. Um, but you know, the hive mind doesn't like to be toyed with, so they'll probably punish him and her both. (laughs) I mean, it's because you're to to um, kind of degrade yourself in an emotional sense in front of the world, and for for relationships that nobody believes is a keeper. Nobody. I mean, do you? I mean, I, I don't think it's any more than six months, nine months, a year at most. It's not, you know that these people just bounce into each other. They see an opportunity for self promotion. Uh, they're they're probably genuinely taken with each other on some emotional level, but it's not going to last because they're not really living in a human realm. They're living in a big flashy 24 7 internet celebrity realm yeah i don't know all i know is that there's likely two there are two realities one is the reality that is taylor swift in her life and the other is the way it's interpreted online and and um and the way it's interpreted online can can run the gamut between it's a setup by their publicists to you know he's secretly gay and she's his beard to you know, he hates her and he's just pretending to like her to get James Bond or she's he's going to be the subject of her next breakup song, whatever it is. It's like, <laughs> you know, they, they it's sad. I mean, it's it's weird and sad the way that we use celebrities to try to, you know, yeah. uh, make ourselves feel better, maybe, or um, decide what's what's good and bad and righteous, you know, in our culture. I have no idea what it exists for. But when I look at that, them on the beach, I just think. Mm. there's two people on the beach. I have no idea what their relationship is like, you know, flash for a moment on what sex is like with them. (laughs) (laughs) Think about that for about five minutes Um, and then move on. Like it doesn't uh, interest me that much. Sex between any hot, any, uh, you know, hot, vigorous couple in the first few weeks, first months is always great. I know. Are we talking like counter sex here? We're talking like on the counter kitchen sex probably. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's that's the kind of thing you remember on your deathbed. Oh, my goodness, that was wonderful. I know, right? <laughs> it's all too fleeting, my friend. It's all yeah. too fleeting. But, yeah. um, but so, you know, good for her. I'm happy. I mean, I do feel like she gets too much shit. That's my sort of my take on her. I think by women mostly, not by men. I don't think that most men care that much. But, mm. um, 
but I think she's just been given sort of a bad rap. The only thing I will agree about on her is that she's not a very good dancer. That's the truth. <laughs> but well, they both uh, captured dancing at the at the Met Ball, right? And wasn't the consensus that neither of them are great? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yes. Let's go. Let's go through some of the films that are in the uh, the um, this this thing that I was just riffing on. We can talk about any number of things, but basically, uh, let's just quickly go uh, over some impressions. It's amazing how these films. None of which have been seen, but we all develop opinions about them. Yeah. And we sort of half already know what we're going to say without having seen them. It's perverse. It's completely perverse. But this happens (laughs) because you're writing every day and this kind of stuff comes out. So what do you expect? Bluntly, no rambling answer. John Lee Hancock's the founder. Michael Keaton is the the guy who made McDonald's into an empire. What do you anticipate? Well, you know what we we think about that, right? Great actor, great story, not great director, right? The problem. Donnie Hancock. Yeah. Well, he's thought of as a guy who who remember he who did uh, uh, a very good work within the PG or family realm. The the the, that that uh, movie about Dennis Quaid as the pitcher. What was that one called? The fast the. He and he, the Alamo, he did a decent job with. He's not a uh, no, a he's not bad. He's not a bad director. He's just not the kind that gives you that, you know, that crackling sense of wow. You know, he's not the mm-hmm. he doesn't have the cred that mm-hmm. a lot of these other directors have. So it would depend on a lot of things. But I think it's a it's probably going to be a good thing for Keaton. You know? Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, He'll, he, I mean, this is basically a movie about a guy who's that that will basically say, as we we all know, the legend of of, of Ray. Ray Kroc, isn't that it? Ray Kroc? Yeah. That he, that it, it takes a shit sometimes to, to build an empire. You might be the idea guy or the person who created a great idea, but you need a real shit to make an empire into an empire. Um, and that, you know, honorable, nice, decent, plain-spoken people who, who eat with their family at 6 o'clock uh, every week, that they are not necessarily ones who build empires. That's yeah. more or less the message of, that's the message of Gone with the Wind. You have to be a bit of a selfish shit to survive and, and, and make something happen. So. Right, right, right. <laughs> but um, but I heard that it wasn't just a love letter to McDonald's, right? I mean, it's it's there is a lot more to it than that. I, uh, my, my impression from reading about it was that it's sort of a, you know, it's not going to be too flattering of a portrait of the empire. You know, am I wrong? Uh, I, I shouldn't say, but I read this. I did read the script a long time ago, and it's mm-hmm. uh, it's it's not uh, it's not uh, a portrait of a of a venal organization. It's basically a portrait of an, of of what what is opportunity, what is um, what is success built upon? Is it just built upon great ideas, or do you have to be a, a real pusher, a real go getter, and um, do nice people necessarily win? And the answer is not necessarily. So there's a vagueness in the middle of it, but you can't help but a step back and say, well, would the original McDonald's brothers have made it into to made this thing into a big empire? And is it that good that it even became an empire? That's another question. But that's I, the big question it, for me. You know, that's the big question. That's sort of like, well, look what it is. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it's kind of a bad thing, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I feel a lot of poor, poor people to eat something and 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 keep it together. Uh, for relatively little money, even though it wasn't the greatest thing for their health. It right. didn't kill them. It, it just wasn't the greatest thing. And now in the last, what, 
six, seven years, McDonald's has made a real effort to try and offer healthier stuff. When did they start doing that? Maybe 10 years ago. I don't know. But yeah. it was, um, they're not a venal organization. It's just, they're, they're not something that I, I ever do unless I'm, have no other choice. The, uh, the thing I like there? about them is that they, I didn't, I used to think they were the worst thing in the world, but when I found out that they use Temple Grandin approved slaughterhouses and that they have mm-hmm. made an effort to not buy meat from any company that doesn't treat their animals well, that, that may help me sleep at night. Yeah. Because yeah. they've made, they will not buy any meat unless she's approved their slaughterhouses. And she's the greatest. And so the fact right. that they're the biggest meat suppliers in the world. And the fact mm. that they're treating their animals humanely made me feel a little bit better about them. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think that ultimately, who cares what I think about anything? But <laughs> let me just say, I'm the I'm the almighty oracle on all things. But mm. but you know what? It's obviously what fast food and what the meat industry is doing to the planet is pretty fucked up, and that's going to have to be dealt with at some point. As as far as specifically the founder, I think it's fair to observe and um, and kind of wonder. Why did Miramax decide not to put it into the, you know, Telluride and after uh, uh, release pattern? Why did they decide to open it in August? That that yeah. makes you. So. I know, me too. But I'm I have high hopes for Michael Keaton in it. I'm really looking forward to a, a good best act. I mean, he should have won yeah. for Birdman, you know. And I hope that that this is a good chance for him. I guess that the movie that I'm most excited about, I would say, is Billy Lynn's Halftime Walk with. The, the Ang Lee movie. That, to me, looks like the big one. Um, because you are excited about the... Um, I mean, because it's... Um, I have a friend who has described it. I never read the book, but he described it as a uh, modern sort of uh, Catch-22. You know, there, yeah. there's um, about the machine kind of cranking out heroism and looking for people to live up to an ideal of American heroism among, among the military and what the reality actually is. I think that's partly or largely what it's addressing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm particularly excited on a very fetishistic level with the 120 frames per second um, uh, visuals, which are going to be part of the film or all of it. I'm not sure. But it's really quite the knockout in terms of how it's going to look. Wow. So, I didn't know that. I mean, I know you mentioned it to me before, but it, that wasn't my favorite thing with The Hobbit. That, that. <laughs> but um, that, I agree. Uh, most people felt that that was not, uh, they didn't like the film and, and they felt it was too, you, you felt it was too video-like, right? Yeah. It just wasn't real enough. But this is going to be more of the same, that's for sure. I mean, this is, uh, that The Hobbit was uh, 60 frames, I, I believe. And this is double that. Not that your eye can necessarily notice it. I've, I've read that the eye doesn't even can't even tell the difference but it's really going to be it's not going to have that patina that texture of cinema that's for sure it's going to be a whole different thing yeah i'm just looking forward to it because he's such a good i think he's just such a good director and he you know he's made like maybe one bad movie in his entire career and he always gives i think gives gives people something to really chew on and so i'm I'm looking forward to that i think that's going to be if mm-hmm. I had to gamble, take a gamble right now and roll the dice and say, which did I think was going to be a best picture, best director contender? It would be that one. And obviously we know things happen, you know. Right. Hype can destroy a movie. Political correctness can destroy a movie. Whatever it is, there are things that will. Right. But just judging on the subject matter and on his talent, I would say that would be a really strong contender. Yes. And now, why do you, now, we discussed this before. Why do you think... Uh, just sort of uh, randomly picking out titles here. Why do you believe that? <laughs> what you you even chuckled when we talked about Robert Zemeckis' the World War II thing. <clears throat> you have suspicion 
what this is uh, going to be a little schmaltzy, a little um, a little old fashioned. Little... Right, the love story one with um, yeah. Brad Pitt and yeah. Marianne, Marianne Cotillard. Yeah, right. Uh, we'll see. Right, if it's Zemeckis, that means it's going to be really good visual effects. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Love story with Brad Pitt. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see. I'll keep my mind open to that. But um... Damien Chazelle's uh, La La Land, which is a old fashioned 1950s musical. It's going to have a, a look of soundstage. Uh, it's going to be like uh, a Fred Astaire movie mm-hmm. from the mid, mid-50s or early 50s. Uh, that's going to be in Venice, so that it will almost certainly be a, a Telluride yeah. film. That's going to be great. Yeah, for sure. That'll be great. That'll be a big one. Yeah. Um, you know it's going to be good. You just know it. Uh, if the songs are good. I hope they are. Yeah, I can't see it bombing. I just I trust that director. You know, I do, even though I criticized him a lot <laughs> with Whiplash. But I think he's... He's got the stuff, and I think it'll be with those two actors. I don't see how you go wrong. They have such good chemistry together. You know, when you saw them do the dance in, um, what was that horrible movie about love with Steve Carell? Um, I forget what it's called, but, you know, Steve Carell, Julianne Moore, Emma Stone, and Ryan Gosling are in it. God, please yeah. help me in my aging brain. <laughs> that, that had a horrible uh, ending, as I recall. There was a big emotional moment in a PTA meeting or something. I thought that was. No, but there's a really great scene with Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling together where he, mm. she says she wants to do that dirty dancing thing. <laughs> they do it, to, and he takes off his shirt. Uh-huh, and she's uh-huh. like, why did you take off your shirt? I can't possibly compete with that. <laughs> but the two of them have such great chemistry that I'm sure this is going to be fantastic watching them together in this. Um, and so then we have Passengers. I know you're sort of down on Passengers. Um no, I'm not. It's 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 a it's, it's a decently written thing. I'm just saying that it, uh, and and it's and it's got great potential for just eye filling production design, and it's going to be quite the novel experience for showing a a months or years long, uh, uh, many years actually, uh, 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 voyage from uh, from Earth to a very far away uh, colony, and um, it's but what there's an ethical thing that is just. Uninsurmountable. <laughs> that happens, and I can't uh, talk about it, but it's insurmountable. I mean, I, I all I have so. to do is think about it's, it. It's insurmountable. They try to deal with it. They fix it. The script fixes it in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. We can't talk about it without spoiling it, so we right. shouldn't. Right. But, um, but yeah. But you're saying it, it, they, they, they it, you come to the end of it and you go, yeah, they did kind of fix it. I mean, yes, there is a. I mean, if this hadn't happened, then this wouldn't have happened, and then it actually turned out okay, and in, in a way it was a good thing that he did what he did. But not when you step back and you say, you know, but he still did what he did. That's, not, that's really not a very nice thing to, to have done, and, and mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a stopper for some folks out there. Yeah, that was, I mean, I think I was trying to imagine the two actors in it, and I thought it was really funny and well-written, you know. <laughs> um, the dialogue and everything was, the characters I thought were all really good. Um, yeah. I didn't think it needed all the big special effects stuff that happens in it. I didn't think it needed all that because I thought it was doing just fine on its own as a kind of a moody contemplative piece. It didn't need all that other stuff. But think of the sets. Think of the what it's gonna. It's gonna be really quite the knockout just to watch the thing. You know, it's I'm, really I'm gonna... hoping that it's sort of like, um, uh, you know, that Swedish movie, that Swedish vampire movie, um, Let the Right One In. Uh huh. I'm hoping okay. that it's along those lines in th- terms of tone with Morton Tildum directing it. Like I'm hoping that it has that sort of eerie quality to it. And 
you know, and less so kind of popcorny. Like I hope it's a, it's much more moody and dark, mm-hmm. darker than the screenplay is. I think that's what it needs to be a good movie. I'm afraid to ask, but let the right one in, and it was called "Let Me In" in the American version. Right. Uh, did Morton Tilden didn't direct either? No, he didn't. He didn't. But I, I just think of him, and I think of his sensibilities and who he is. I think he's capable of directing along those lines in that same sort of tone, um, moody, creepy, romantic. You know. I think he's a pretty, pretty shrewd and pretty smart guy. But the bigger a movie gets, yeah. the more uh, heavier the budget, the less uh, maneuverability a director has, and the more pressure there is from mm-hmm. the producers and and the agents and the whole community really to deliver something that's going to make money and so it kind of muffles whatever individual notions he or she might have as a director yeah i mean it might turn out that it's great because jennifer lawrence is just so fun to watch and so is chris pratt that it 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 really can't go wrong because it's they're just so much fun to watch and if they're into the roles and stuff Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious about it. I feel like it could be either the greatest movie ever or like the biggest spectacular bomb ever. <laughs> I feel like it could be both of those things. And I'm mm-hmm. hoping it's not obviously a bomb, but. Um... Do you feel the same way as I do or uh, about the light between oceans, which that it's, it's basically about a very desperate emotional act on the part of a childless couple, uh, particularly on the, on the part of a childless uh, wife uh, played by Alicia Vikander, to uh, to just say with us this young infant that we found uh, floating in a boat with a dead guy, she is uh, a gift from God. She's uh, Moses in the reeds. Uh, yeah. She was found, and this is uh, preordained. And 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 uh, how can we refuse? This is God is giving us giving us a child. So let's just we'll raise her, and she's ours, and it's a, it's it's a gift. And then, you know, reality intercedes. Um, that's, it's, it's just so naive. It's so silly. It's so, uh, it's, it reminds you in, a, in, a, in an odd sort of way about George Bush. He felt that he had been told by God to, to avenge 9-11, and he made this god-awful mistake in his, uh, he's one of the, you know, probably the worst president we've ever had. I mean, when you, when you uh, allow uh, divine voices or divine forces to guide you, and you don't think about the practical world the way it's really, it's silly to, it's, it's hard to engage with a character like that. Mm. So what do you think? Um, yeah, I, I don't really see much, oh, you know, Derek Cien France, France, Cien France is like a, um, you know, he's really into these long stories, you know, these long, emotionally draining films. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, again, if it isn't trashed by critics, which it's possible, that, um, that I think she's probably going to be a best actress. I was talking to Eric Anderson, you know, Awards Watch, and he said that they, yeah. don't, they don't have any confidence in her, that they don't think she's going to get nominated at all. But I think she will, mainly just on the fact that she's so hot right now and everybody loves her, and also that she's such a good actress, you know. I think she'll be really good in it, and so I do think that she will be considered. As far as the rest of it, I don't know. Um, I agree with you that it's weird that a baby just floats on the shore and they find a baby, you know? Um, yeah. But I, but I guess if you say, I want to save my baby and put it in this little thing and hope, hope you know, fingers crossed because it's going to die anyway, I have to just give it one chance to, to, go, to survive and maybe somebody will find my baby or maybe my baby will just die. And then by chance, someone finds the baby, you know? Yeah. And imagine if you were. Uh, I don't want to get too heavily into this. Do you think that the baby was deliberately put 
into a into a rowboat with some guy and and that was she, the, the baby was discarded that way is that what you're that's what i got from the trailer but maybe i'm wrong i don't know am i did you read it um no i did not i'm assuming I, that's what happened you know like with blake lively and the seagull that she's just trying to like somebody's trying to make the baby survive somewhere or it could be a baby that was stolen and sold but um okay but if you're somebody who really wants a baby and all of a sudden a baby drifts up on shore, I mean, well, how else are you going to take it? You know, <laughs> so what yeah. else would you think about that? Except that God gave this baby to you. You know, I, I couldn't think of any other thing to explain a miracle. I'm not religious, by the way. I'm just saying that. <laughs> I'm, I'm lost in this conversation. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen, but I think that there's also something significant. I think it's telling that, remember, it's a Disney uh, district, uh, film, and they have decided to bring it out again, like the, the like the Michael Keaton McDonald's movie, uh, prior to the beginning of the season. It's mm -hmm. right uh, in, what, September 2nd, or right as... Um, right as Telluride is happening. It's kind of an odd way to bring out a, a film that you think might be, uh, uh, you know, in the, in the awards conversation to put it out right in the middle of the Telluride festival, but not put it in the festival or, or at Toronto. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Oh. I do. And I, that's, it's a good point. I mean, I, I always think in this business, the Oscar business that earlier is better. Yeah. You know, later, you know, might help you with box office and a few nominations, but and you know, but it's harder to um, to pull in. It's 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 sort of a huge gamble you take when you open it late. You know, if it bombs, you're not going to make any money off of it. You know, mm -hmm. but if it's a smaller movie and you open it early and it's doing well and it starts to get buzz, you can mm -hmm. build on that box office. You know, little by little by little by little, you can you can you know start to raise it to thirty, forty, fifty million like the Weinstein's do. If you mm -hmm. release it early enough, you know, to cash in on award season, I guess they're that tells me they're both with Keaton and with Vikander. That tells me that they have they think that they have awards vehicles for these actors, not necessarily for best picture, but for the actors who will start to make start making lists, you know, start to make best of lists like and or maybe get like some kind of a recognition at the Gothams or something pretty early, you know. Mm -hmm. And that they'll make the rounds. They'll start making mm -hmm. the rounds. So, what do you um, feel is uh, signified um, by the complete, pretty much the complete failure of the BFG, the Steven Spielberg film, which was pretty expensive? And you know, uh, what what stopped it? Do you think? Is it because you know, I'm I'm so the wrong person to ask, but uh, but I think my instinct is that it shouldn't have opened big, and that they should have opened it smaller and and let the art house. Build it. Expensive film though. It's like 140 or something or more. It was pretty expensive. Really? Yeah. He's usually a 50 million and under guy. Steven Spielberg. Yeah. I mean, uh, he he's a, he's a low budget guy who always meets his. Um, let me just look quickly. I mean, I mean, Lincoln didn't cost that much, and and uh, his 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 older historical his and and the uh, uh, Bridge of Spies didn't cost that much. Yeah, he's known he's known for not being a big spender. Okay. Well, um, this cost a, a lot more, and they pretty much had no choice but to. Ooh, it did. You're right. 140 million. Mm. Uh oh. That's I think bad. that it was the face of Mark Rylance. He's he's gotten uh, very fetishistic about Mark Rylance. Uh, you know, he's been casting him in a lot of. I think there's three. Is it not, or is it four Spielberg projects that Rylance is attached to? And I think he just got the idea that Rylance was the guy he wanted to work with, and he decided to make him the. Uh, giant. Somebody said that if um, 
as grotesque as society is. But if Dwayne Johnson had been the giant, it would have been something else. And if, um, you know, somebody uh, well-known and uh, deemed accessible and, and not weird-looking, violence is it's... not exactly, uh, you know. <laughs> that, unfortunately, you know, I do this thing where one of my favorite directors I know is going to be putting out a so-so movie. Like, I'll just avoid it completely so that I don't have to write something bad about it. But um, But my first thought about that was... He looks weird. He looks too weird to sell to a mass audience, and there's no way people are going to buy tickets to that. You know, yeah. there's just no way when he looks like that. So their only hope was really to keep him hidden mm-hmm. until people actually see it and then see him. But, and, and, you know, he got good reviews. Everybody that wrote the reviews about Ryland said he's really good and that The Giant is really good and that it's a very sweet movie and blah, blah, blah. But you know how people are. Like, it just, there's no way mass audiences are going to go. That, that's a face that will scare little children, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they, they emphasize that he was always, always smiling in that sweet way, but he doesn't really, he looks kind of strange, creepy also. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't, uh, it's not the kind of, it's not a, if Dwayne Johnson had been, I hate saying this, this is the way studio execs think, it would have been different. It really would have. It would have worked out. Well, for one uh, thing, it would have. in a better yeah, way. And it probably would have appealed to a lot of the kind of, audiences that are buying tickets to movies now, you know, which yeah. is weren't, it's not really so white dominated as it used to be, you know, and, and he's really popular with, with audiences. Spielberg was trying to, you know, stick to the integrity of it, I guess. But to think that, I mean, look, I'm not going to say, I don't want to say anything. I love Steven Spielberg. You know, I do. I'm not saying it was nothing about this is a bad idea, but it does strike me as odd to think that they would think that they could make a lot of money off of it. That's all. Like, I, it just strikes me as odd that they would think that. The, um, the movie has uh, wound up so far with less than 20. And for a movie that costs as much as it did, that's, that's pretty much, I mean, it, it, you're doing well if you triple your opening weekend, which means that at best it's looking at 60. For a movie that costs 140, that's a wipeout. That's a complete failure. It's a, it's a wipeout. I didn't realize that it costs so much money, but yeah, uh. wipeout. <laughs> Do you think that uh, Blake Lively is a um, is a is a happening movie star? I mean, she she clearly caught a wave with this rather not that good shark movie, but it, it caught on, and it's it's only made thirty five so far. But still, yeah. I got the feeling that people generally liked it, and she is in a better place now as far as uh, you know somebody you want to go see who's kind of a movie star has that kind of vibe. She's beautiful. I think that you know when I was talking with her, Tan, it was you know she had a Third rate, you know, a relative smallest role in the Woody Allen, and she's done this. She's married her to Ryan, um, and and you know, I didn't know where she was going exactly, but I feel like she's got something going now because of the Shark movie. What, what did you think of it, the film? Well, I've been a fan of Blake Lively for a long time. Don't you remember many years ago when I told you she was going to be a big deal? Um, um, you probably okay. don't remember, but I told you a long time ago. Watch Blake Lively; she's going to be a big deal. But you know, a lot has happened since then. Like she had that Ben Affleck thing, the nude photos. Then she married Ryan Reynolds. She did the the um, lifestyle site. Yeah. So her career didn't quite go the way that I thought it was, but would go. But I was a huge fan of her starting with the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, which she was in, and she she just to me she popped right off the screen like Julia Roberts did in Mystic Pizza. Like I thought she was mm-hmm. going to be that big, and um, I think she's talented as hell. I've always liked her, and um, I loved her in in The Shallows, which you know it, it could have been such a much better movie if they hadn't gone so much for the schlocky shark and the yeah. 
That not. was awful. I felt, shark, you know. no, no, no reasonable person is going to think a shark is going to stay in a bay when it's already killed that many people. You know, it just he gets to eat two and a half guys. I mean, that's that's a pretty good plus meal. Plus a, a whole whale, a whole they, whale. You know, he when has. they've had that much food, they're not going to stay. I, I want more. I want. I want. I don't want just no. more body. I want that girl. That's who I want. That's I'm right. going to have her no matter what. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It would have been better if the the shark had not eaten all those other people. Yeah. But anyway, it is what it is. It doesn't matter. She's still, I think, an exciting screen presence and a, a reason to go back and see the movie again. That's how I felt about her, and I'd like to see her in more stuff. I think she's charming and charismatic and talented, and, you know, I've always liked her. So I'm happy to see her have some success here, you know. Mm, good for her. Okay. Yeah. All right, so um, what's left? Of, is there anything coming up um, that you're... Are you going to see the Bourne movie? Are you half interested oh, in that? No, zero interest. Um, but let's just talk really quickly about... So then we have Lion, right? Dev Patel, oh, Lion. Sure. And some mm -hmm. people said that it was shown on a boat in Cannes and that the buzz was sort of muted. Did you hear anything about that? Uh, no, that's interesting. You're, so you're saying that a market... Uh, uh, buyers were shown it and they, and they, uh, they had a muted response. Well, you, you know it's, it's kind of... Um, uh, Lion is about a guy who's trying to find his family after many years of separation. So it's a struggle to traverse uh, great distances and, and find the needle in the haystack and you know get in touch with who he is, get in touch with his, his, his roots. Uh, it's, it's kind of a, almost a, kind of a repeat in a way of the, uh, of the, um, uh, the thing where... Uh, but it goes on and on uh, like that. It seems like one of those great epic struggle, great epic voyage movies. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know anything about it, but, uh, but if you, what did you read exactly? What did you hear? Somebody being? just tweeted that to me. So I have no idea. I was wondering if you had heard anything. That's what I heard that, well, because I was wondering in terms of the other Weinstein movie, which is, um, what's the other one? Uh, <laughs> what's the other one? The big one. Well, they, they, they have the, the, the McDonald's film also. So there's three of them. But there's another one, too, that I just heard yeah. of called H-H-H-H. We were oh talking about that. We didn't even go over this yet, so we have a whole other... That's, a, that's <laughs> one of the worst titles ever heard in my life for a movie. You can't be serious about that. They're going to call it that. Secondarily, uh, as I pointed out, there is a, a film called Anthropoid. Is that it? Or is mm -hmm. it... It sounds like Anthropoid. Um, right. Uh, that just showed at the Locarno Film Festival, is that it? Uh, and, no, no, at the uh, Carlo Viveri Film Festival. And it's uh, basically just a, um, kind of an underground uh, thing where there were some uh, anti-Nazi people in, in, the Czech, in the once Czechoslovakia trying to assassinate a, uh, a Nazi high up, an official, a general of some sort. And uh, why do you think that's going to be a big deal? And why did you feel that it's not noteworthy to mention that a film has already been made with more or less the same source material? That's, right, that's right. That's a, a big um, deal. It seems like it, but it doesn't. It's not going to have the same heft as the not, the Weinstein Co. one. Um, why in particular? What well, is because this? Weinstein, they have you know, he has the special formula. He, he can take an unknown director like this guy, who, by the way, is really handsome. I just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Good-looking um, guy. Good-looking guy, yeah. right? Charming. Um, and you got Weinstein. you got a, kind of, sort of an, a relatively unknown director. And then you've got 
a story about the Nazis, you know? So this is like catnip for the Academy. I don't know that the other one will be. I sort of think it might. Remember when there was like Enigma and then there was um, the Imitation Game? I guess they didn't come out the same year, though, but. No, they were they were apart. And Imitation Game was definitely a, uh, a, a superior thing, and that's uh, uh, you know we all had a pretty good time with that. I had less of a uh, ecstatic response than, than others, but yeah, it was yeah. a de- decent film. So, but I just don't see how anybody can want to see and, and say, "Have you seen? Do you want to see H H H H?" That's one of the worst things I've ever heard in my life. It's like you know, it's like. Why would anybody want to think about that? Well, see, he's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. He has to change the title, probably, knowing him. He knows that it'll hurt the box office if he keeps it. On the other hand, it's supposedly such a popular novel that its title alone has pre-awareness, and so he'll Mm -hmm. lose box office if he doesn't keep it. So he's Mm -hmm. sort of in a trap there. Um, I'm actually looking forward to reading the book. I hear that it's not what you'd expect. It's not a straightforward historical epic. It's... It's about a guy writing a historical epic, so it's sort of like okay. his his own personal notes inter- mm-hmm. interspersed throughout the story. So he's kind of like, you know, talking to you as he's writing it. So he's saying, I didn't know whether I should choose this kind of a car or that kind of a car, because did they have those kind of cars back then? Did mm-hmm. they wear these kind of suits back then? Like, he's really breaking that fourth wall and talking to the reader. And supposedly okay. it's like it's hit or miss. Like some people really loved that and some people thought it was smug and irritating and they just wanted to hear the mm-hmm. story. I don't know how this director is going to do it. You know, I don't know what tone they're going to have. But um, The original uh, title of the book that it's based upon, which is also HHH, the original title was Operation Anthropoid, uh, which is the, echoes the title of the currently out film, right. Anthropoid. So right. Anthropoid. I, I just don't, I don't think anybody cares about... Um, World War Two anymore? I think that's um, for you know millennials. That's a that's that's too far back. I don't think it's it matters to them anywhere near as much as it did to boomers. Uh, you know that was a big um, a current, a, a something that you could draw uh, draw into and and, and make uh, fascinating, at least arresting films for the, what, 60s, 70s, even into the 80s, but I just don't think it matters that much anymore. I think it's, it's regarded as, as an archaic thing by people. But it depends on how you tell the story. Like, look at Hamilton. I mean, who would have ever thought millennials would be into a story about Treasury Secretary Alexander Hamilton? But it's an mm-hmm. incredible piece of writing. I mean, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I can't say enough good things about it. And he's definitely captivated the millennials. So if the storytelling is brilliant enough, and it should be because... I would smack around any millennial that says that World War II is boring. I just would. <laughs> I would say, what is wrong with you, stupid person? Are you kidding me? Because not first boring, of all, not boring. I just don't think it, it, it is as much a part of the universe and the, and the realm and the, and the references that people who are in their late twenties, thirties, uh, they see Vietnam as pretty far back. Right. Um, you know, World War II is a long time ago. Well, then there, mm. it's, it's for their benefit to see it and to remember it because they shouldn't forget. You know, and that's why we have almost Donald Trump as president. You know, please don't forget. We can't. And that guy, you know what really happened in real life? And it's not in the book, apparently, and not in the movie. So this is not a spoiler. Don't freak out. Um, But basically, after they found out about the assassination attempt on Mm -hmm. um, that guy, Heydrich. um, Yeah. Yeah. considered like the worst, most horribly criminal Nazi of all time. Um, Mm-hmm. He, after they found out about that, they went to the village, the Czechoslovakian village, and they killed everybody over the age of 
like 15. Really? Killed they wiped the entire village because yeah. the... Okay. And apparently that might not be in the, um, in the book. She says that they mention it. This woman that I talked to on Twitter who's read the book. But she mm -hmm. says they don't make a big deal about it. I mean, that to me is a pretty important part of the story to tell because it's just so okay. horrifying to see what they did, the Nazis, how, how they killed people just, you know. Mm. But... Well, I, I, I predict nothing is going to happen with this film. I, I think it's going to be just rejected so quickly uh, uh, for being a repeat of a film that's already been out. And I don't think that the cast is stellar enough. I think it's, uh, they're good people, Jason Clark and uh, Rosamund Pike and, and others are, are, they're good people, good actors. I just don't think it, they, they, they open movies and I don't think they necessarily are going to have people sit up in their seats and wait for something. I just don't, I yeah, don't sense but it. Like Oscar voters are going to like it though. You know that. Um, well, we'll see. I, I have high hopes for it, but it's going to be either that or Lion. See, so Weinstein has two. Um, you know, he's he's not got Lisa Tayback anymore fighting for him, his movie. Yeah. So yeah. things are mm -hmm. a little bit more difficult. You know, if Lisa Tayback was involved, both of those would have got, would be like, you know, nominated in every cast. She got the guy who directed Room nominated for Best Director. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who does that? I mean, that's uh -huh. insane. But um, but I'm looking forward to that one because I am, unlike the millennials, thank God, I am interested in World War II, so I hope that it's... Um, I hope it's I think that the whole shift over of, like, if it's World War II, if it's about Nazis, I just think that time has passed. That was, uh, you know, the people who have any intimate uh, recollection of that era are all gone, pretty much, my father's generation. And I just don't think it matters as much. It's not catnip anymore. I think well, it was they're foolish. The new you know what? What is un uncharted territory in, in the movies, really, is, is Hiroshima and Nagasaki. You want mm -hmm. to see something depressing, watch a documentary on what those bombs did to those, those areas in, in Japan. I mean, that is something that people should not forget. And that should not be what there was like 200,000 people killed instantly from those two bombs at the end of world war two world war two is endlessly fascinating it's it's like you know just when you think you've learned about one part of it a whole other part opens up i don't know how talking about the weinstein movie and 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 uh the uh the sense of the that people in my, my son's age don't feel that world war two is part of their immediate reference point it's 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 a it's a bygone era that doesn't necessarily reverberate into their lives. Well, then, then that's the fault of the artists and the educators, because it should. This should be something we're all talking about and thinking about. That, that, that was a horrifying thing that happened, and it was only happened in the 1940s, which isn't that long ago, to think that, that Hitler could do what he did. Did you know... Well, anyway, we won't go into World War II. I think, I think if we're going to talk about horrible things that happened uh, in, in the name of ending the war, the Curtis LeMay firebombing of all those Japanese cities prior to the dropping of the, uh, uh, they, they were as horrific, if not, uh, you know, I mean, it was terrible what happened. The, the, the burning of God knows how many tens of thousands of Japanese citizens, pure terror. Oh That's all about. Horrible. Uh, and the, um, you have to also consider, and it's, it's, it's not a pleasant task to do this, but if the two, uh, if the atomic devices had not been used, then there would have been an invasion of Japan and a lot of American soldiers would have died. And Truman made the decision 
to do this to shorten the war and end it suddenly or fat more quickly without this immense, immense loss of life that was for yeah. sure. So I'm not in a position to judge whether mm. it was the right thing to do or not. I definitely don't sit here and say he shouldn't have dropped the bomb or he should have dropped the bomb. I'm just not educated enough, I don't think, to, to make that call. But, um, but what I do know is, is what I've seen and learned about from the victims of, of that war, uh, you know, mm. these innocent mm. people. This one woman told a story of she had a sister. She was 10 years old, and she was taking care of her sister when the bomb hit. She was looking around for her mother, and she finally found her mother who had a gold tooth, and that's how she recognized her, and she reached out to touch her, and the, she dissolved into ash at her fingertips. And she said later they grew up, her sister threw herself in front of a train, and she said, you know, when something like that happens, you make the choice to live with it, you know, or die from it. And she said both choices are choices of courage, you know, because it's just an unbearable thing. And, I mean, we kind of... We kind mm -hmm. of own the that we've we've perpetrated the biggest you know sort of mass assault on humans. I mean, I don't know if that's true. Maybe there's a bigger one, but um, so but I'm just I'm not judging America. I'm not judging the soldiers. I'm not judging Truman. I'm just saying that this is what happened, and people should remember it. At the yeah. very least, they should remember it. You know. God, you know, I mean, these things, these lessons, these 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 horrific imprints should never be forgotten. Of course, I'm not saying that that my son's generation has no awareness of it. They just don't respond to it as entertainment or as right. themes that mean a lot to them. They right. are, you know, their their whole drama. The first dramatic event of their lives was 9/11, right. uh, the first uh, really dramatic event, and you know, before that, it was the. I mean, they don't. I mean, to them, the '80s films made in the '80s are, are the old things. I mean, it's it's bizarre, but that's how they see it. So it's um, right. No, I know, and I understand that when they see a movie like this, they immediately write it off like that's just your typical Oscar bait. You know, if it's about Nazis, it's a period movie, and it's the Weinstein Code, then it's just. That's Oscar. my basic point. I don't think that Oscar bait, you know, knee-jerk thing. I think you know, times do change. We've been saying this for a long time, and I've been aware of that meme that we've all discussed. That if it's got Nazis in it, particularly if it's a documentary or any, you know, it's got a, a certain edge with the uh, heavily uh, Jewish Academy, and I understand all that. But I just think that at some point it's going to start to not be as much of a knee-jerk thing, and I think that's happening, particularly with the new members. Uh, that are being brought in by um, by the Academy now. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. But if I had to choose right now five movies, mm -hmm. um, or you know, five or, or more than five that I thought. Don't, don't say HHH is going to be one of the five. Yeah, I would. I'm sorry, yeah. but I would. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to say a word about it. I, 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 I have I, more I, faith in that than Lion. <laughs> put it that way. Put it that way. But um, but I would definitely the say. The effort of saying. Four H's. It's so tedious. Nobody wants to do it. I think you know, it's, they'll end up changing it. They'll end up changing it. But let's say, okay, so Silence, right? Number one, oh. Best Picture, Best Director. Billy Lynn's Halftime Walk, Best Picture, Best Director. Yeah, La true. La Land, I'm going to go ahead and say Best Picture, Best Director. Uh, Sully, I think, might be a more of a Best Actor thing. Best but, Actor thing, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not sure about Passengers either. I'm not sure about The Founder. I would add... Um, uh, Nate Parker's movie, and I would add Manchester by the Sea as my yes. five. Those are the five that I think right now I feel like I have the most confidence in predicting. That's in very concise. I'm really glad you said that. You know, yeah. no one that I have read or said has just boom said these are the five. I'll, I'll go with that. 
You're, yeah, you're for right. now. I mean, until things change, until the mm-hmm. movies that we haven't seen turn out to not be good. I mean, right. if we had to just go with sure things right now, we only have two, which is mm-hmm. Nate Parker and Manchester by the Sea. Those two movies, mm-hmm. um, I should say it right. I should say Birth of a Nation and Manchester by the Sea. Those yeah. those two are the only ones so far that we've seen that we... Oh, and Loving. We can't forget Loving. You've seen it. I haven't, but everybody else keeps thinking it's that a good, it's... It's a good film. It's not mind-blowingly good. She is quite memorable, and she will probably... I think we've, we've spoke, uh, spoken of this before, but she will be up against Viola Davis uh, in Fences, right. probably. Probably, yeah. So so that might be a best actor, best actress thing. Best maybe actor. best picture, maybe not best director. But I feel like if you're going by director, we've got we've so far got our five. But right. we'll see how things change. But. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can't wait for you to tell me you either love or you really dislike uh, Kristen Stewart's film, which um, is so divisive, and I, re- I I got Guy Lodge, wonderful Guy Lodge, who stood who stood up for this film and did a really interesting uh, uh, interpretation of why so many people were down on it and some people were booing it, and why I think I mean I've talked to Kent Jones at the uh, New York Film Festival, he loves it, he's going to include it, and yet oh. our friends our friends at Telluride, not, they don't like it, and they're not going to bring it in and forget it, you know, it's completely dismissed so it's mm-hmm. one of those divisive films so i really would interested to see what you um are going to say it's hard for me to imagine just from what i've read about it that it's that hated that that, that that the other side of it hates it that much like what about it is so i mean judging from clouds of sil maria was not hateable i mean that was a really because on some level uh, Olivier Asayas is being very sincere in his renderings and his suggestions of what may be going on in a, in a spiritual ectoplasmic ghostly sense there's um, he, Guy believes that, um, that uh, fundamentally people who go to film festivals sophisticated film people they, they like to uh, um, uh, consider ghost stories in an ironic sense they like them to be either emphatically in your face and trying to scare the shit out of you or they like uh, what he does is that he's taken the idea of the way ghosts had been uh, captured by old photographs uh, around the turn of the century and the early part of the century and he used that idea as a way of suggesting the presence of of uh, Kristen Stewart's dead brother mm. uh, and, and that it's a little too sincere, a little too straight. I was in love with this thing. I mean, I was scared. First time I've been scared by a movie of this type because they're all in quotes. They're all playing with you. They're all uh, trying to nail you and, and, and give you shock cuts and, and make you freak out and scream. And I, I couldn't uh, um, get, uh, you know, The Conjuring 2. You saw that, right? No, but, God, no. Oh, okay. Well, that's very emphatic and, and, and goes right down the middle, does exactly what a, what a good ghost film does. Olivier Asayas is off on his own plane here. I mean, a lot of it's just about buzzing around Paris on the scooter, and it's, it's got such a beautiful, fascinating vibe. The, the whole texting sequence that she gets into on the, on the Eurostar from Paris to London, it's just magnificent. It sounds great. It sounds right up my alley. Yeah. Um, you know, I really have to say, I really admire Guy Lodge lately, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, I, we used to give him a lot of shit or I did early on, but boy, has he turned into be a really great writer and film critic and funny person on Twitter. It just, the first rate guy. I really, really yeah. think he's, uh, he's really knows his stuff and he knows, uh, he's a very good sculptor of sentences and, and thoughts. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Um, he's really, of all the people that I've sort of watched as film critics, you know, 
mm-hmm. would say to me he's evolved the most and grown the most. He was always talented, you know, but he was young when he started. Mm-hmm. And, right. um, and he's grown into quite a fine critic, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Hey, by the way, we didn't mention, and I, because I was looking at this article, we didn't mention the, the, the either uh, War Machine, which uh, I don't know if that's, that's supposed to be some kind of strange lovian strange lovian satirical thing i guess on some level what is the, it again i haven't heard anything about it uh, brad pitt is uh, dendril stanley mccrystal it's uh it's directed by david michaud oh right and right. as uh, ben kingsley topher grace it's it's you know has to do with actual history um and uh and brad pitt has white hair in it and he's playing you know obviously an older guy and that's certainly going to be one of the two brad pitt war related films yeah he really likes those war that's right that's right i I have a feeling about that we'll see but it it seems like it's a tisk tisk liberal movie you know like tisk tisk war machine you know yeah maybe yeah but who knows we'll see Um, but that might not be a bad thing it might be turn out to be good but you know liberal filmmakers tend to go wrong when they sort of hit you over the head with it because generally speaking they're preaching to the converted uh-huh. You know, and the converted doesn't really like being lectured to about stuff that they already know and feel. So right. Um, right. we'll see what it turns out to be, but maybe it'll be good. And by the way, I um, we also didn't um, mention um, the other uh, interracial marriage movie, which has been uh, directed by the woman who did Belle. It's called The United Kingdom. That's probably going to be starting to be that's going to actually have its big debut at the London Film Festival, which is a little bit of a red flag. But that's it's called A United Kingdom, and David Oyelowo and Rosamund Pike are the two leads. So that should oh, be a... right, right. That's true. Yeah. yeah, I hope that's not a red flag. <laughs> what a bummer. Whenever the London Film Festival grabs something for a worldwide debut, that has historically been an indication of a film that's not uh, perhaps up in the... In the in the clouds and yeah, know, still like, sort of like the LA right. Film Festival, I guess. But if you if you did uh, if you had to pick film festivals where it's, it's you know you would go with Toronto, obviously Telluride, mm-hmm. um, New York Film Festival. Now I guess we can include that and Cannes yep. as yep. the four. Those four, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes Sundance because uh, Sundance obviously right. debuted uh, you know uh, Nate Parker's film and direct and debuted Manchester so. Yeah, and last year it debuted Brooklyn, and the year before it was Boyhood. So, right. Yeah. So those are the those are the ones. You've been listening to episode 125 of Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com and Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com. The bumper music were two tracks from the Hamilton cast album "Aaron Burr, Sir, and the Room Where It Happens." I strongly recommend you buy the entire thing and listen to it repeatedly. And we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Ah, Mr. Secretary. Mr. Burr. Sir. And did you hear the news about good old General Mercer? No. You know Claremont Street? Yeah. They renamed it after him. The Mercer Legacy is secure. Sure. And all he had to do was die. Yeah, that's a lot less work. We ought to give it a try. <laughs> now how you gonna get your debt plan through? I guess I'm gonna finally have to listen to you. Really? Talk less, smile more. <laughs> Do whatever it takes to get my plan on the Congress floor. The Madison and Jefferson are merciless. Well, hate the sin, love the sinner. Hamilton. I'm sorry, Burr, I gotta go. But decisions are happening over dinner.
aliens and an immigrant walk into a room Diametrically opposed foes They emerge with a compromise Having opened doors that were previously closed Bros. The immigrant emerges with unprecedented financial power A system he can shape however he wants The Virginians emerge with the nation's capital And here's the piece de resistance No one else was in the room where it happened The room where it happened The room where it happened was in the room where it happened, the room where it happened, the room where it happened. No one really knows how the game is played, the art of the trade, how the sausage gets made. We just assume that it happens, but no one else is in the room where it happens. Thomas claims Alexander was on Washington's doorstep one day in distress and disarray. Thomas claims Alexander said, I've nowhere else to turn. And basically begged me to join the fray. Thomas claims I approached Madison and said, I know you hate him, but let's hear what he has to say. Thomas claims Well, I arranged the meeting. I arranged the menu, the venue, the seating. But no one else was in the room where it happened. The room where it happened. The room where it happened. No one else was in the room where it happened. The room where it happened. The room where it happened. No one really knows how the parties get to yes. The pieces that are sacrificed in every game of chess. We just assume that it happens. But no one else is in the room where it happens. Meanwhile, Madison is grappling with the fact that not every issue can be settled by committee. Meanwhile, Congress is fighting over where to put the capital. It isn't pretty. Then Jefferson approaches with the dinner and invite, and Madison responds with Virginian insight. Maybe we can solve one problem with another and win the victory for the Southerners. In other words, oh, oh. a quid pro quo. I suppose. Wouldn't you like to work a little closer to home? Actually, I would. Well, I propose the Potomac. And you'll provide him his vote. Well, we'll see how it goes. Let's go. No. What else was in the room where it Else has in the room where it happened. Alexander Hamilton. What did they say to you to get you to sell New York City down the river? Alexander Hamilton. Did Washington know about the dinner? Was the presidential pressure to deliver? Alexander Hamilton. Or did you know even then it doesn't matter where you put the U.S. Capitol? Cause we'll have the banks. We're in the same spot. You got more than you gave. And I wanted what I got. When you got skin in the game, you stay in the game. But you don't get a win unless you play in the game. Oh, you get love for it, you get hate for it, you get nothing if you wait for it, wait for it, wait. God help and forgive me. I wanna build something that's gonna outlive me. What do you want, girl? What do you want, girl? What do you stand for nothing, girl? What do you fall for? I, I wanna be in the room where it happens, the room where it happens. I. Wanna be in the room where it happens, the room where it happens. I wanna be in the room where it happens. I wanna be in the room where it happens. Saying what they trade away.